you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. and give him thanks for what we feel in this house. Hallelujah. For what we feel in this place. Hallelujah. God, we thank you. We give you praise. We never want to take for granted the glory of your presence. We never want to take for granted the glory of your presence. Oh God, we worship you and praise your name. In just a few couple of hours southeast of here, praise that's going up before the Lord. And as many of our brethren have gone and some from here have gone and have looked into it. And the thing that is so interesting is that really it's it's a praise we get to experience all the time. And I think sometimes we just forget how blessed we are to have the manifest presence of God with us. God forbid we should ever take it for granted or think we're just another group of people who call Jesus Christ Lord. We're not just another group of people who call Jesus Christ the Lord. We've been brought out of darkness and into this marvelous light. He washed our sins away and He has filled us with His Spirit and we bring the presence of God with us when we come into this place. What a joy it is to magnify the Lord together and exalt His name with people of like precious faith. And it is certainly a joy to be here tonight and to be able to be a part of the Awakening Conference and uh, to be at Christian Life Church with our dear friends, the Jordans. We love this family so very much and have for many, many years. And we thank God for this lighthouse right in the middle of, of northwest Indiana, west central, northwest central Indiana. God is doing such a mighty work here, and we thank God for it. Hallelujah. You can feel it. You can feel it when you come up onto the campus. You can feel it when you're driving up nearby. You can feel the concentration of the Holy Ghost power that is present in this place. And it's just a joy to be able to be here, and I have so many friends. It's so good to see Pastor and Sister Carter here. God bless you. Amen. The Mercy Church, so grateful to hear the wonderful things God is doing. And, of course, I grew up at the Mercy Church, and that's my, that's my home uh, 
church, and I, I'm so grateful for all the wonderful things God is doing. And uh, Brother Davenport, God bless you. It is a great joy to see you tonight. Amen. And we saw, we saw Brother Dow here last night, and we were talking about 26 years ago or longer that my brother and I preached a tent meeting in Crawfordsville, Indiana, and oh, didn't we have a time. You know, won't we have a time when we get over yonder, but didn't we have a good time even way back when? And we appreciate you, Brother Davenport, and all the great people of God. God bless you. Such a joy to be with you tonight. I will invite your attention to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4, the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4, and I, I want to uh, read just a couple of verses in your hearing this evening. We'll begin at the 14th verse, and I'll read the 15th and 16th verses as well, but 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14 says this, Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy, with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear in all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. And I want to I want to concentrate our attention on that first verse. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. And I'd like to speak to you on that subject, the gift of prophecy. The gift of prophecy. Could we lift up our voices and ask God to bless the preaching of his word? God, I thank you for your word that is rich and real, deep and powerful. And I pray that you will move among us and help us to understand the good and precious precepts of your great word. I ask in Jesus' name that there be an anointing. Hallelujah. As the word goes forth, let the anointing of the Holy Ghost move upon the preaching of the word and upon your people. And we give you all the praise, Lord, and the glory. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. And amen. God bless you. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. I think that it's important for us to understand some things about the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit are, of course, some of those very mysterious, if you please, mysterious uh, qualities of the Spirit that, that sometimes we feel may be beyond our grasp, perhaps a little elusive to us. Sometimes when we think of the gifts of the Spirit, we think that, they're, uh, that they are spooky and His people, and they are there to confirm to the unbeliever that God is real. They are there uh, to confirm to the unbeliever that God loves them and wants to reconcile them to Him. They are there to edify the church and to bring bring glory to God. And so they're a beautiful, beautiful thing. And and they're not just uh, to operate in certain settings alone, but but they are to be a part of 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 how we operate in our, in our daily lives. And, and the gift of prophecy is one of those gifts of the Spirit that I would like to concentrate our attention on. 
tonight. Um, it, 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 the word prophecy evokes a lot of imagery. Uh, you, perhaps your mind jumps immediately to the book of Revelation as you contemplate end time prophecy. The fact that uh, the events that we're witnessing now have been foretold already. The things that we're experiencing and, and observing, uh, the Lord said to be watchful of those things and to recognize that when you see them, lift up your eyes. Your redemption draweth nigh. And, and, and maybe when you heard the word prophecy, maybe your mind immediately began to consider uh, the idea of foreknowing or foretelling and coming forth about an event that has not yet happened but is described in uh, just meticulous detail. Uh, so prophecy carries a lot of different connotation in the way that the Bible talks about it. But, but prophecy is very simply foretelling. It's foretelling. And so even as the word of God goes forth and it is, it is told forth, that is an element of prophecy. There's a prophetic element to the preaching of the Word of God. But the Bible says very specifically that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And I love the this is that statements of the Bible, uh, where it takes all uh, confusion and question out of the picture and just tells you what something is. For instance, it may say the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Or it might say the joy of the Lord is your strength. Uh, or they might say for the love of God is to keep his commandments. There, there are those this is that statements where Peter said this, speaking in tongues, is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, that the his Holy Ghost will be poured out upon all flesh. And and so there are those this is that statements. And this was one of those this is that statements in the book of uh, Revelation. It, it describes that, uh, that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so when we talk about prophecy, it's not meant to be spooky. It's not meant to be mystical. It's not meant to be something beyond our reach or grasp, something that we would never be able to participate in. It is very simply the testimony of Jesus. And the testimony of Jesus is, uh, is, is referenced, of course, throughout the Old Testament. And this is what uh, the Apostle Peter tried to help us understand when he said that the Holy Scriptures came not in old time by the will of man, but by holy men of God, and they spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And that Holy Spirit of God moved upon those old holy men who spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And what came out of their mouth? The testimony of Jesus. And that is the summation of prophecy. If there is any end time foretelling, it is still wrapped up in the testimony of Jesus. If there is any detail about an event yet to occur, even in your life, that is that is described to you through the operation of the word of knowledge, there is still in that the testimony of Jesus. Testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So these Old Testament writers were all referencing Jesus. They were all talking about the fact that he is coming, that he is the Messiah. This is why in Acts chapter 8, when 
Philip began to preach to the Ethiopian eunuch, the Bible says that the Lord told him to join himself to this chariot. And this in this chariot was an Ethiopian eunuch who was reading from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He was reading the part of Isaiah that said that he was led as a lamb to the slaughter. That as a sheep is dumb before his shearers, so opened he, not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. And Isaiah was clearly reading uh, or, or speaking about the crucifixion of Jesus and the torment that Jesus would experience on the way to being crucified. So the Bible says Philip was commissioned to the Lord to join himself to this chariot. And when he got to him, he asked the question, do you understand what you are reading? And to that, the eunuch responded, how can I, except some man should guide me? Philip began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Took, just went directly where he was, Isaiah. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away. That's Jesus. As a lamb was led before the slaughter, that's Jesus. As a sheep dumb before his shears opening not his mouth, that's Jesus. Philip began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. And some might say that, well, it's a good thing that the Ethiopian eunuch was reading from the prophet Isaiah, from that old ancient scroll, because Isaiah had so much to say about Jesus, the Messiah to come. But the reality is it didn't matter what Old Testament scroll that that eunuch would have been reading from. Philip would have still begun at any scripture where he happened to have been reading and he would have preached unto him Jesus. It, it wouldn't have mattered. He could have been reading from, from uh, uh, Jacob laying his head upon a rock or David slinging a rock, or a rock being hewn out of a mountain without hands, or water coming out of a rock, or honey coming out of a rock, or fire coming out of a rock. Any place he would have been reading, Philip would have began at that scripture and preached unto him Jesus. If he would have been reading about Samson killing a lion, or about David killing a lion, or about Daniel being delivered from a lion's den, he still would have preached unto him Jesus. If, if he would have been reading, ladies and gentlemen, about the, the fact that he is the creator, or the fact that he delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt, or that he was the lawgiver in the book of Leviticus, wherever he would have been reading, Philip would have began at that same scripture and preached unto him Jesus because all of this Old Testament has everything to do with Jesus the Christ. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Those holy men of old would speak as they were moved by the Holy Ghost and out of their mouth would flow words describing the fact that Jesus is coming, that Jesus is coming, that Jesus is on his way. Everything in the Old Testament has to do with Jesus. That's what Jesus explained to the Pharisees when he said, search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. And, and he's telling men who can quote them under the, quote us under the table in many cases. Because they know that old law and they know it from.
Jesus has the audacity to say, search the scriptures? You want us to search the scriptures? We know the scriptures. What scripture do you want us to quote? We'll quote you whatever scripture you want us to quote. And Jesus said, yeah, you might be able to quote it, but you don't understand it. Search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And what he meant is you think that if you will follow those Old Testament scriptures to the best of your ability, that you will somehow be able to secure eternal life. But what you, under, what you fail to understand is that they are they which testify of me. You can try all you want to keep those scriptures and you won't be able to keep those scriptures properly. Even if you kept the letter of them, you will fail in keeping the spirit of them. But they are they which testify of me. You can't find an Old Testament scripture that doesn't in some way tie to the testimony of Jesus Christ. Psalm 1 said, blessed is the man. What man do you think that's talking about? The man, the only man, hallelujah, the man. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. That's not talking about me because I've already walked in the counsel of the ungodly here and there in my lifetime. So it's not talking about me and it's not talking about you. He said, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight. Whose delight? His delight. The blessed man's delight. The one who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. The one who stands not in the way of sinners. The one who sits not in the seat of the scornful. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. It's not talking about a hypothetical man. It's talking about the man. It's the testimony of Jesus. When the Bible asks the question, who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord? Who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He's not asking some rhetorical question. The response is, he that hath clean hands. Woo. You know what? We're like the Pharisees. We read that and we say, oh, he that hath clean hands. So I better go wash up my hands. And we take our filthy rags of our own righteousness and try to clean our hands so we can have hands clean enough to abide in his tabernacle and dwell in his holy hill. But Jesus said, you think you have eternal life. But they are they which testify of me. The one who shall abide in his tabernacle and the one who shall dwell in his holy hill is he that hath clean hands. That's not a hypothetical he. There is one who's coming who hath clean hands and a pure heart. You can try all you want with all of your good works and best of intentions to scrub your heart and it won't be pure enough to go to heaven. You and I have already missed our chance to go to heaven. There's not one thing we can do that's good enough to take us there. There is only one who is pure enough and holy enough and good enough and righteous enough to be in heaven. And his name is Jesus. And the only way we can get there is to be in him.
him to be in us. Hallelujah. And that's the testimony of the Old Testament. And all of it is pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the spirit of prophecy. And, and so the spirit of prophecy is not something that's to elude us, but it's something we are supposed to be able to participate in. So the Bible describes Moses. Now you know Moses was the man of God. He was like the man of God in the Old Testament uh, as it relates to the children of Israel. And and the Bible says that one day he saw a bush that was burning but not being consumed. He turned aside to see this great sight and he, he begins to interact with this bush that's burning but not being consumed. And I love this because he's in the presence of God. And let me tell you something, when you're in the presence of God, everything changes. You begin to understand God a little bit better. Don't stand on the outside of his presence and try to judge what kind of a God he is. You come into his presence, get immersed in his presence, and then you're going to hear him clearly and see him for who he really is. Moses is on the inside of his presence, and the Lord says, I want you to come here, Moses. And as Moses begins to come, the Lord says, don't, don't draw any closer to you. Take off your shoes. Take off your shoes, for you stand on holy ground. Let me tell you how I used to hear that prior to entering into his presence. Before entering into his presence, this is what I heard. I heard, Moses, I want you to come into my presence, but you're not coming in with those nasty shoes on. Get those shoes off, and then you can come into my presence. No, 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 don't even try. You'll mess up the carpet. Just take off your shoes. That's it, that's it. Now you can come into my presence. But, but, but the, as I've drawn closer to God, I've begun to understand more clearly what the Lord was saying. Moses, you're a shepherd. And I know you've got shoes for a reason. You're on rocky terrain. You're on mountainous terrain. And you've got shoes on to protect yourself from sharpness of rocks and from thorns and thistles and snake bites and scorpions. But you're on holy ground now, Moses. And you don't have to protect yourself from anything on holy ground. I want you to remove the defense. I want you to remove the guard. I want you to take away the thing that you had built up to protect yourself because you're in a safe place. I want you to know that when you're in the presence of the Lord, you're in the safest place you could possibly be. Hallelujah. And while Moses is there in the presence of God, he learns the name of God. And he learns not only who God is, but when he learns who God is, he begins to understand more clearly who he is and what his purpose is. And he goes into Egypt and he, and he preaches and he declares the word of the Lord and, and uh, he performs great wonders in the eyes of Pharaoh and he delivers the people out of, out of bondage and he's bringing them out of Egypt. And the Lord had told him to go get my firstborn son Israel. That's what the Lord called him. Israel, my firstborn son, and bring them to me, and I'm going to have them to have a feast in the wilderness, and they're going to learn of me, and then they're going to enter into my presence, and I'm going to reveal to them who I am, and they're going to be able to operate like me because they will have been in my presence and encountered me the same way that you have, and Moses was all excited. He couldn't wait 
to bring the children of Israel. And here he is. He's the prophet of God. He's communicating to the people about the things of God. And he says to them, we're going to go see the God of our fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I've met him. I've talked to him. He's real. He told me his name. I know who he is, and we're all going to go talk to him. And when they get to the mountain, he said, there's the mountain. We're going to go up onto that mountain and we're going to talk to God. And they looked up on that mountain and saw darkness and blackness and tempest and vapors of smoke and lightning and heard thunder. And they looked at Moses and very politely said, you have lost your mind. We are not going up there. Any mountain that that looks and sounds like that, that's terrifying. We're not going up there. We've got a better idea. How about you go up there, since you know him so well, and you talk to him, and then you come back and tell us everything that he said to do. And Moses said, but that's not how he operates. He wants to give it to you directly. He doesn't, he doesn't want there to be a go-between between him and you. He, he wants to talk directly to you. They said, no, 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 you go talk to him. So Moses goes and says, Lord, they won't come any closer. And God said, all right. God begins to give the word to Moses. And the word that God gave to Moses was the law of the Lord. But when Moses took that law of the Lord and gave it to the people, he called it the law of Moses. That's where the law of Moses comes from. It was never supposed to be anything but the law of the Lord. And when it's the law of the Lord, it can be inscribed upon your heart and it will become who you are. The law of the Lord is Perfect, converting the soul. That's how the law of the Lord is supposed to work. It is supposed to be inscribed upon your heart and it doesn't become your second nature. It becomes your nature. But when you've got a Moses that's standing between you and God, then all of a sudden it, it, it has to come through Moses and now it's different. If it were just the law of the Lord, it would be written on your heart. Thou shalt not commit adultery, and it would be established in your soul. But when somebody's standing between you and God, and they're hearing it from God, and then they pass it on to you, now all of a sudden it's different. It's not so much inscribed upon your soul. It's written in tablets of stone, and you read it, and now you've got to try to apply it. And the law of Moses, because it was through Moses, now it's not just thou shalt not commit adultery. It's, it's you can't adulterate anything. You can't adulterate your soybeans with your corn. You, you can't adulterate your wool with your linen. That's why all of those arbitrary, random laws all through Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy seem to emerge out of nowhere. It's because the people weren't receiving it directly from God. When you get it directly from God, you don't need all sorts of other other along the way because you've got a relationship with God God is speaking to you at all times you're walking with him and you're talking with him and he orders your steps daily in his word nothing replaces a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ 
tell you, you don't need a mediator other than Jesus Christ. Just as there is one God, that one God is also one mediator, the man Christ Jesus. And you don't need a priest and you don't need some other individual to stand between you and God. We have access by one spirit unto the Father. And I'm going to tell you something. The preacher can preach all day long to you, and you can take it and try to apply it. But just one word from God, and it changes your whole perspective. Pastor, that's what we're doing when we're preaching. We're not trying to give them our word. We're, we're, we're trying to give you his word. Our desire is that while this word is going forth, he will speak to your heart. I know you've experienced this. I have, and, and it's. I, I know you've experienced it through the years. I, I'll preach a message, and I'll get done preaching, and somebody will come up to me and say, "Oh, I'll tell you, that blessed me so much when you said this, this, and thus and thus." And I'll think, "I don't think I said that actually. I understand what they heard me say, and I realize it's because it wasn't me saying." I was saying what the Lord put in my heart, but as his word went forth, his spirit started whispering. The still, small voice starts to lead and guide and direct paths. And that's what Moses wanted them to experience, and they just simply weren't able to experience it because they weren't alone with God themselves. And so so the, the time came where Moses was the only prophet. Moses was the only one prophesying. Moses was the only one who was able to prophesy. Aaron and Miriam criticized him, and Miriam was stricken with leprosy for the criticism of Moses and his wife. And the Lord called them to the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, smote Miriam with leprosy. She was sent out of the camp for seven days, and and the, this is what the Lord said. I speak to some with dreams and visions in the night. But with Moses, I speak with him face to face. It's different, my conversations with Moses. But I will tell you that God wants every one of us to have a face-to-face -face encounter with him. This is why it got too much for Moses. He couldn't do it all. And, and his body was showing it. And he was trying to do all the prophesying. And he was trying to do all of the leading. And he was helping everybody with all their problems. And he finally said, Lord, it's too much. I can't do everything that you've called me to do. The people are too much. And the Lord said, I want you to gather 70 elders. And those 70 elders came together. And the Bible says, the Lord said, I'm going to take the spirit that I've put on you. And I'm going to distribute it among them. And and they're going to be like you. And when that happened, they all started, all 70 of them started prophesying like Moses. And they're all prophesying. And it's, it's, it's this unbelievable moment. And Moses is prophesying. And, and all the 70 elders are prophesying. And everybody's just amazed at what's happening. And then all of a sudden, two, two guys that uh, just kind of aren't even a part of this process named me, dad, and Eldad. I guess they were born on Father's Day. I don't know what that what that was about. But me, Dad, and Eldad, they start prophesying. And people looking around and see me, Dad, and Eldad prophesying. And they said, oh, no, don't do this right. And they go. 
Moses marching off to Moses, knocking on his door. Moses, now everybody, all these 70 elders are prophesying. Of course, you are the prophet. And now Medad and Eldad are prophesying. What are you going to do about Medad and Eldad prophesying? You know what Moses said? Moses said, what do you want me to do about it? I would that you all prophesy. Want everybody opening up their mouth and delivering the testimony of Jesus. I want everybody opening up their mouth and declaring the word of the kingdom. I want everybody opening up their mouth and publishing the gospel of his kingdom. I would that you all prophesy. I want you to know, ladies and gentlemen, tonight I would that you all prophesy. Understand that God hasn't reserved the special gifts for those who are the elite, for those who are the expert. If you've got the Holy Ghost, the gift of the Spirit can operate in you. If you've got the Holy Ghost, the gift of prophecy can operate in you. of relegating it to the pulpit we've made the mistake of relegating it to a two hour time frame one time on a Sunday when in fact God wants it to be a part of our daily conversation he just wants Jesus pouring out of our mouth he wants the praises of God on our lips he wants us to be magnifying and glorifying and extolling, exalting adoring the name that is above every name the name of Jesus everywhere we go to everyone we meet oh hallelujah hallelujah I want you to know that when God created man he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul and he made man in his own image and one of the first things man did was one of the first things that we see God do he opened up his mouth and he began to speak. And that's one of the first things God did on that first day of creation. The scripture says, the Lord said, let there be light. The spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Hallelujah. And God said, let there be light. When man is made in the image of God, and that breath of life enters his nostrils and he becomes a living soul. The first thing he does is he stands up and begins to speak. Hallelujah, what the Lord tells him to speak. This is a part of our being made in the image of God. And just as when God speaks, things are created. When you speak, there are creative powers at work. There's a reason that when it gets compromised, we call it pneumonia. That pneuma has to do with spirit. And when we're talking about the spirit of God, we're talking about the pneuma of God. The breath, there's not a word that God has ever spoken that didn't have the spirit in it. Even yourself, you can't utter a word without there being breath in it. You can try, let there be light. Put your hand in front of your mouth and say, let there be light. You can't say a word without breath being a part of it. Those letters 
serve as a structure for that word. It provides the context and the structure. But that breath provides the pneuma. And that breath goes forth. And just as when God spoke and breathed words, things were created. There are things created when you speak. We are united. We are willing. 
We are victorious. Hallelujah. We are a holy people. Hallelujah. We are a righteous people. We serve God. God is our everlasting Father. His is our everlasting kingdom. We're going to live victoriously in Him. Pastor Carter, I grew up in Kokomo, Indiana, and a friend of mine who I grew up with there said to me one day, he was telling me of all the family members that he had who were in prison, and he told me their prison record, and it was so sad to hear him talk about it, and of course he knew my history in the Urshan family, and so he, he stopped and laughed and said, so I guess it's safe to say that I'll end up a prisoner and you'll end up a preacher. stood there as the preacher with an open Bible and he walked up to me as an inmate and the words he spoke had come to pass. Don't say things that aren't what you want to have happen. Don't say things just because you're afraid of them. You're giving life to the things you fear. When you speak things that are trying to intimidate you, you speak the word of life. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. They may not always be in my emotion, but they will always be in my mouth. They may not always be in my feels, but they will always be in my mouth. I can be laying in a hospital bed, but I will bless the Lord at all times. I may be sitting in a courtroom, but I will bless the Lord at all times. I will prophesy my way out of these circumstances. was the prayer warrior of Calvary Tabernacle way back in the early days, a charter member. And they, they, people didn't go to the hospital in Indianapolis. They, they went to great-great-grandma French. And they'd call her for prayer. And she'd come out speaking in tongues and pleading the blood of Jesus. And many times before she got to where they were at the church, they were already healed. Her daughter was my great-grandmother on my mother's side. And she routinely would prophesy over me. As a child, there was never a time that I didn't come close to her. I knew her till I was 14. That's when she passed. And I had a lot of time to get to know her. Any time that I came into her proximity, she would gather me to herself and say, God love him. God love him. And she'd say, many are called, but few are chosen. And Joel, you are chosen. I, I, I never was with her that she didn't tell me I was chosen by God. I don't even know if I was chosen, but I started believing I was chosen. And when I started believing I was chosen, then God could choose me. Let me tell you something. Some of you are living under the influence of the words of the accuser of the brethren. And you have believed false prophecies about yourself. And let me tell you something. It is possible for even a false prophecy to come to pass if you believe it. But I lift that off of you in the name of Jesus. Jesus Christ, it's time to break free from every false lie of the adversary. 
it's time to break free of the chains of those false prophetic words. You're not defeated. You're not a loser. It's time to throw your head back and say, I will not die, but live and declare the wonderful works of the Lord. tell you that the devil is a liar. And if he said it, the opposite is true. If he said you're going to die, you're going to live. If he said you're going to lose, you're going to win. If he said you're going to go broke, you're going to be blessed. It's time to use the gift of prophecy. I would that you all Sister Kunstmith, Sister Hopper, you will remember Brother John Red Fuller, the, the man that was in prison. He was a murderer. As a young man, he was burglarizing the home with a friend. The owner of the home came in, startled, and they turned and shot the woman and killed him. And he went to prison for life for killing this woman. And and he spent years in prison, and he was the executioner in prison. He was a killer. And in prison, he killed many more men. And he was a terrible, wicked, devil-possessed man. Everybody was afraid of him. They called him Red because he was red-headed and also because he had shed so much blood. John Red Fuller. He was a terrible, wicked, vile man. And he was by himself. They couldn't even leave him with other inmates. And, and every week, an old blind preacher would come to the prison house and preach the word to those prisoners. And John Red Fuller was famous in that part of Tennessee because, or infamous because of his, his terrible, wicked deeds. But this old blind preacher would come in and preach to the prisoners. John Red Fuller would be off in his cell and he would tell, the, tell this, his assistants, take me down to John Red Fuller. And security staff would take him down to John Red Fuller. And that old blind preacher would stand outside John Red Fuller's cell. He'd grab hold of those bars and he'd hold on to those bars and he'd say, John Fuller, God is going to fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. John Fuller would start cursing and swearing and telling him to get lost and, and the, the preacher would walk away. And I just want to pause and say thank God for blind preachers. Thank God for preachers who, who refuse to see what everybody else sees. I refuse to see the blood-soaked hands of this wicked man and I, I choose to see the blood-stained cross of Calvary and a God who is able to save to the uttermost. Every week he'd get done preaching and he'd say, take me back to John Fuller. Sometimes they'd try to stop him, but he wouldn't be stopped. He'd go back and as soon as he'd come down the hall, John Fuller would start swearing and cursing. And it didn't deter him at all. That old blind preacher would grab those bars and shout, John Fuller, God is going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. And week after week after week he would come until finally one day, John Fuller came out of that cell and to the prison service. Walked into that service, something got a hold of him that he had never experienced before. He 
repented of all his sins. And God did indeed fill him with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Ha, hallelujah. Hallelujah. He was baptized in Jesus' name. Glory. He began preaching the gospel in the prison. He started baptizing inmates in Jesus' name. The same people who used to be afraid of him were now coming to him for counsel. He was praying for them and they were receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. So persuasive was his conversion that the Tennessee district of the United Pentecostal Church came into the prison and licensed him behind bars to preach the gospel. So persuasive was his conversion that the parole board let him out after 25 years of time spent in prison and he came out preaching the gospel and he went all around the nation preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. On that day that he received the Holy Ghost, that old blind preacher was praying with him and when he started speaking in tongues, that old blind preacher went back to the briefcase he had brought with him and he opened up the briefcase and he pulled out a Bible and he took the Bible and put it back in John Fuller's hand and across the Bible cover was emblazoned Reverend John Fuller. I'm going to tell you something. We are a blessing people. We are a blessing people. We're not a cursing people. We're a blessing people. There don't need to be blessings and cursings coming out of this same fountain. We sent forth sweet water. I said we sent forth sweet water. And it heals. And everything that it touches is healed. It's time that we stop agreeing with what the devil has said about our world. And we need to agree with what the Lord has said about our world. And you know what God said? He said, I so love the world that I gave my only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Hallelujah. Life. I speak life. I speak healing. I speak wholeness. I speak victory. I declare goodness and joy and peace and hope and faith and power and glory and life. Somebody lift up your hands and your voices and shout the victory. Hallelujah. Come on, lift up your voices with me right now. Stand to your feet with me right now. Some of you have been suffering. Some of you have been suffering under the weight of false prophecies. I remember we received we received an, a, a note during our building campaign. And I'll never forget the note said concerning our building campaign, it will never happen. And I said, no, it won't. I said, that's a lie from the devil. And I rebuke it in Jesus' name. It will happen, and we're going to stand, and we've been standing in it now for the last several weeks with hands uplifted, glorifying God, 
worshiping his name. I want somebody to come up out of the curse of your adversary and understand that God has spoken the word of life over you. From this point forevermore, open up your mouth and speak life. Speak life. Let there be light. Let there be light. Let there be light. Let there be light. Hallelujah. I speak life over your marriage right now. Come on, let it get contagious. Let words of healing get in your mouth for your marriage. Let words of victory get in your mouth concerning your children. Brother Gentry Jordan, the Lord convicted me one day while I was preaching. I was preaching and I said, I said something along these lines. I said, I will not let my fear control me. And the Lord convicted me. He said, don't ever call it your fear. ever again if a depressive spirit comes against you that's one thing but it's not yours it's not yours <laughs> when I feel fear you know what I say I am not afraid when I feel depression coming I say I have joy when I feel a discontentment I say I have peace it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Let the lightning flash and let the thunder roll. It's still going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. We're going to stand. We're going to be victorious. We're going to have power. We're going to overcome. We are more than conquerors. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Prophesy until we are. I'll declare it until it is so. I will say it until it is done. I will not stop saying it until it is done. Come on, somebody. Bring it to God right now. Say, God, wash the negativity out of my speech. Cleanse my mind, Lord, of all defeatist thinking. Let me speak only life. to do something right now. I want us to do something right now. I want you to give God a prophetic praise. Let me tell you what I mean by a prophetic praise. Some of you have been praying about some things. And maybe you haven't. Maybe you've only been worrying about it. Sometimes we can worry about something so long and it can be in our mind for so long we'll think we prayed about it and all we did was worry about it. But pray about it. 
say, God, I need you to take care of this. Lord, I'm putting it in your hands. Lord, I, I need your help, and I, I'm surrendering it to you now. Show me thy way and let me walk in the path of life. And then I want you to praise him, for it is done. Praise him, for it is done. Lift up your head, O ye gates. And be ye lifted up, you everlasting doors. And the King of glory shall come in. Come on, lift up that head. Lift up that head. Shake off those heavy bands. Shake off those heavy bands. Praise Him. Praise Him. For it is done. Praise Him. For the healing has come. Praise Him. Arise and shine. For thy light is come. Arise and shine. For
How many of you remember in the old days when we used to have prayer lines? Anybody remember? They would line up and come down the aisle and there'd be about one or two people that would pray over everybody. We're going to do a prayer line tonight, but we're doing it differently. If you have a need in your life, if the enemy has spoken an impossible situation to you, I want you to come line up right along this line right here across the front. There's a line right across here. If you have a need in your life, whatever it is, doesn't matter, spiritual, financial, relational, there you are. Step right on that line right across here. Just line up side by side. If you have a need in your life and the enemy has told you it is impossible. We have heard the word of the Lord tonight. I want you to back up just a little bit and get on this line because I want to leave room for some folks to come right in front of you right here, right on this line. Come on, there's room for more. If you're facing an impossible situation, come on, move quickly, move quickly. Now here's what I'm going to ask. I want some people of faith. Some of our ministers, some of our elders, some of you that have walked through some storms in life and the enemy has told you in times past that it is impossible. But God came through and made a way out of no way. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand all over the room. All right, if you just lifted your hand, I want you to come and I want you to face this, this crowd along this line right here. I want you to come face them. Come on, move quickly, move quickly. And we are going to pray some prophetic prayers tonight. <laughs> Come on, somebody. We're going to speak things that are not as though they already are. We're going to pray some prayers. Come on. I need some more of you to come pray. There ought to be somebody in front of everybody right now. Come on, move quickly. Don't be shy. And the rest of you gather in real close and behind these that are here. And we're going to pray over them right now. And you are going to speak faith in that prayer right now. I want you to speak it into the atmosphere. I want you to pray it where they can hear it. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. Come on, speak the word over them right now. Declare it in Jesus' name right now. Let the weak say, I am strong. Let the sick say, I am healed. Come on, declare it in Jesus' name. According to your faith, so be it unto you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ah, come on, release that praise in the atmosphere right now. Release that praise in the atmosphere right now. Come on, declare it. Speak it out right now. Come on, God has designed me to be the head. I am not the tail. God has designed me to walk in victory, to not walk in defeat. No weapon formed against me is going to prosper. All things work together for the good to them that love the Lord. Come on, pray it prophetically.
come on, God's going to do it. He's doing it right now. He's doing it right now. He's doing it right now. It's not impossible. It's not impossible. With man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Let God do it right now. Let Him do it right now. Go ahead and let Him bless you right now. Let Him strengthen you.